The following podcast contains strong language and adult themes and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Behold, Behold. the annals of pestilence. The stories you're about to hear are not real, though they contain elements of the truth. The tales herein might entertain you, cause you to smile, or perhaps cry, or something else entirely. Because this anthology of narratives, some of them connected, others less so, acts as a door to another realm. You are about to board an interdimensional cruise ship en route to comedy, tragedy, and unspeakable cosmic horror. This one-way journey is powered by existential dread and nervous laughter. Once boarded, there is no turning back. The stories you are about to hear are an infection, a narrative Contagion, the word virus. Season two, punk rock versus the lizard people, the exile. Versus the Lizard People is currently available in its unabridged entirety as a novel by Joshua S. Porter. Order the book today on Amazon.com. This story references songs available on playlists through Apple Music and Spotify by searching Punk Rock versus the Lizard People. Mod Log 12. Celebrity. Final day on Earth. We should go inside, Becky was saying, shivering her arms crossed in the hood of her Wesley High sweatshirt drawn up over her head. Why are you guys just skateboarding in the street at a time like this? It was dusk. The sun had made a feeble attempt to peer through the impenetrable gray dome of the northwest sky and was forfeiting to a pinkish glow. Pushing off the sidewalk on my skateboard, I attempted to ollie over a manhole cover, but the street was still slick with rain, and my landing ended in a clumsy stumble as the board slid away from me and up to Emma's feet. She was looking at me with her big blue eyes, her mouth slightly open the way it often was when she was thinking. What? I asked stupidly. Isaiah's up in the attic adjusting the plan. I can't sit in the attic anymore watching his big lizard face next to Flynn Hardy's moronic expression on every single channel. So turn off the TV. Becky shrugged. I just don't know how you guys aren't freaking out. Skateboarding clears the mind, Rebecca, Connor sighed before attempting the same jump as me and failing the same way. But you guys suck at it, apparently, Becky observed. Can we at least turn off the music? Hell yes, Jade said, reaching for the boombox propped up next to Barrett. What's the matter, Sid Vicious? Barrett asked, slapping his hand away. Not man enough for Denise Williams? You got us into this mess, busty Becky, said Connor, lying on his back in the damp street as his skateboard slowly rolled away. I can't help that I have boobs, Connor, she argued, squinting angrily at him. 
Stop being so busty all the time, said Barrett, rising to his feet, the first to effortlessly ollie over the manhole cover. He stopped to take a bow. I'd like to thank Denise Williams for that smooth landing. Sing it, girl. Emma drew those two dweebs over in the first place, remember? Becky reminded us. If she didn't look like a European model, they would have never bothered us. You're both to blame, I sighed. Stupid, sexy friends. Both girls laughed for the first time that day, and for a moment, things seemed normal. Behind me, I heard Becky murmur to Emma, That baby could not handle me in a bikini, I'll tell you that much right now. To which Emma replied, pointing to herself, This baby couldn't handle another moment of his stupid face. They both laughed again. Why don't you stand up and skate, Jade? Barrett demanded, sounding winded. I don't have a helmet, said Jade. You don't need a helmet, poser, Barrett snorted. You just need the brain drain. The brain drain is a myth, Jade yawned. No way, dude, I interrupted. The brain drain is as real as you and me. Yeah, Connor laughed. The brain drain lives in your heart. One has only to believe. You guys just don't know how to do it, I said, stretching. Then Connor, still lying in the street, pointed up and said, That can't be good. All of us looked at Connor, who seemed to be staring up at the roof of my house, as if on cue, we all drew our attention up to match Connor's gaze, and a simultaneous gasp came from both girls. Isaiah was perched on the roof, peering out into the distance through what looked like a spyglass. Um, I said, Isaiah, dude, what's going on, man? I can see it, he yelled back without looking at us. Awesome, I said. What the hell are you looking at? The Syad facility to the north. Barrett and I looked at each other, then back up to the rooftop. Connor rose slowly, looking around for his wayward skateboard. Cool, I said. But hey, being on the roof is a stupid idea, probably. Isaiah said nothing but went on looking into Washington State with his little alien telescope. Well, great, said Barrett, throwing his hands up in frustration. It's only a matter of time before aliens or the FBI show up to take us in to get probed. That's happening either way, Becky said. Isaiah, dude, I went on. I doubt we'll ever get anywhere with this plan of yours if we're locked up in an Emi prison somewhere. So unless you want your friends at that secret facility to show up here with an unmarked van in ten minutes, maybe you should climb down so that the neighbors don't see an alien on my roof and freak out. When does your mom get home? Paul asked, sounding nervous. She'll be a while, I shrugged. Went in late. With all of us watching, Isaiah suddenly scrambled down the steep incline of the roof and the vertical face of the house. He slithered out into the lawn on all fours, then erected himself in an instant, taking up his humanoid posture once again, as if he hadn't been entirely animalistic a moment prior. Now that we're pressed for time, we need to act sooner, Isaiah said, approaching the group. Dude, come on, Connor groaned, pointing at Isaiah's loose-fitting and mostly open trench coat. It's like, is this even a disguise anymore? You're just a lizard in a big jacket. Were you looking at the secret lab? Paul asked Isaiah. The Syad facility, Isaiah went on. The facility has the closest harbor, and there's not much time before they come looking for us here. Remind me why it is that we don't have much time, Barrett piped up. 
Who antagonized the Narcons that got us into this mess? Becky elbowed him. Harbor? Jade asked. Does that word mean something different on your planet? Unless that facility is out in the open on the river, I'm afraid that it's most likely harborless. Not for boats, Nimrod, Isaiah said, sneering at Jade. It's a port of passage, one of only a very few, a door to Gaina. To Gaina, Becky drawled, over-enunciating the planet's weird name. As in, the planet, a door to a planet. What, do you want another detailed presentation? Isaiah sighed impatiently. My original plan involved a formal vessel. It would be safer and easier to operate, but we don't have time to get to it or to take the journey the slow way. Now we need a harbor. I don't have time to describe quantum physics to your primitive earth minds. Oh, well, excuse me for living, Becky said, rolling her eyes. The harbor is something like a controlled and localized wormhole. By folding space-time, the wormhole brings two widely separated points together, making infinite distances traversable by simply moving from one harbor to another. We know what a damn wormhole is, I lied. Connor gave me a look that seemed to ask, Really? I shook my head at him privately and turned back to Isaiah. It's good news, right? Paul asked, looking around the group. Vancouver is a ten-minute drive from here. That's easy. Can we go inside, please? Becky asked again. Emma gave her a side hug and sort of rubbed her arms in a kind of half-hearted gesture to acknowledge Becky was cold. Can you sneak us in? Emma asked Isaiah. Sneak you in? Isaiah echoed sarcastically. Do you have a space car or something? A space car? Connor repeated, squinting at Emma, who raised her eyebrows and shrugged. No, look, you guys are all missing the point. I'm Owl. We all stood there silently for a moment. You're Owl? I finally asked. As in, I abandoned my post without permission. I'm Owl. You're not an Owl, Jade said calmly, on account of that's a bird. Does he mean AWOL? Barrett asked quietly. I was pinching the bridge of my nose. Isaiah... You want a different word. Look, it doesn't matter. Can we get to the new plan? Isaiah scratched his chin, confused, mumbling the word owl to himself as if to double-check its accuracy. Eventually, he snapped out of it and spoke up. We'll have to break in. Of course we will, Becky groaned, throwing her hands up in exasperation. Isaiah was still on virtually every news broadcast, as were nauseating interviews with Bradley Press and Flynn Hardy. Over the course of three programs, their story blossomed from slight exaggeration to outright fantasy. 
At first, they had recounted the story with some accuracy, conveniently excluding every incriminating detail that might reveal their collective assholishness, while insinuating that they were close personal friends with the alien. In the second interview, they had been out on the town with an important EMI politician and scientist, and finally, they had both been personally invited by the Syed to become advisors on upcoming NARS projects. It's a bad idea, Isaiah shrugged, seemingly unfazed by the infuriating lies of these two jack-offs. You think? Paul asked, frustrated. How long can it possibly take everyone to find out? I'm shocked they aren't here already. No, I mean it's a bad idea for them, Isaiah went on, stepping away from the TV, gathering various items from around the attic and stockpiling them on my bed. They seem like ideal candidates for the feed camps on Gaina. The feed camps? Connor asked, turning from the TV. Horrible places, Isaiah said without looking up, filled with poor souls like those two. Yeah, yeah, poor little butt bags. Listen. Barrett said. Paul is making an excellent point here. What the hell is going on? How are we not already bound and gagged and being fed to a giant alien lizard? These two morons could hand this address to any single reporter that asks. And direct all the attention to the people who actually know the alien? Emma spoke up. They'd effectively remove themselves from the spotlight. Right, Connor exclaimed, laughing. Those two will do anything to cling to the superficial limelight. I'll bet they're inadvertently drawing people away from us. Either way, Isaiah said, we have to leave tonight. Tonight, Becky yelled. Then something strange happened. Paul stood up and took a deep breath. We all turned to look at him, but not in a panicked sort of way, almost like we knew he had something important to tell us, and this was our time to hear it. Someone had put on Bowie's Heroes, and the title track was playing beneath Paul's words as if masterfully planned. It seemed as though Paul, the voice of reason in our group, needed this time. Whatever it was he was about to say was for this particular moment, one rainy November night in 1987. I've been thinking. We've all been through stuff. I can't shake this feeling that we're meant to do this together, you know? Like, all of our hurting has brought us to one place so that we could be together and face this. Being a teenager is a difficult, often miserable ordeal, and it hasn't been easy on any of us. Because of you guys, I've been spared the ordeal of facing my pain alone. Now, I think it's time to do this, together. Surprisingly, Becky was first to speak. I think so, too, she said, her voice shaking. I have this, this sense. That's the Holy Spirit, dude, Connor said. Becky smiled at him. Whatever it is, I feel it. Barrett laughed, putting his arm around Becky. Just like that, you're in? Becky leaned into his shoulder. I was always in. Emma stepped over and hugged them both. Me too. Jade looked at Paul and said, Not bad, Paul Patchett. I have my moments, Paul said, sitting down. Connor looked out the window and said to no one in particular, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Amen, I said, nodding. A freaking men, Paul agreed. There's a poem in my head, Connor continued. An ancient Hebrew song, Psalm number 148, I think. Anyway, 
It makes me think of what's beautiful about the world, a, a world worth saving, together. Isaiah, who had watched us quietly this whole time, finally broke his silence. Okay, I've got a plan. We all gathered around. I took a deep breath, looked at Connor, and asked, Still got those keys to ground control? proliferation of the word virus you can support our efforts via patreon.com slash the word virus lure others to infection by sharing the word virus via social media on twitter at the word virus and instagram at spread the word virus and at the word virus.com 